Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you with the Professor Jeffrey Mishlove, Dr. Ph.D. in parapsychology. What's it like being a parapsychologist, Jeffrey? Did you ever think you'd make a living doing this? Well, I had high hopes, but I have to tell you that uh, it's a tough road to hoe. I got an email just today from a high school student who says, I'd like to have a career in parapsychology, much as I did when I was a college student. And uh, the standard advice that uh, everybody who's knowledgeable in the field, and I have to say I'm probably one of them, would would say to people, get a conventional degree first. Establish yourself. If you're going to become a scientist, get tenure. Get uh, a good reputation. Then you can begin to explore the paranormal dimensions of life. Of course, I didn't follow that advice myself, and I have no regrets, but it takes an unusual person, somebody who's willing to be entrepreneurial about it. Uh, If you're not going to uh, listen to the advice of people who who say you, you should really get your degree elsewhere. And there aren't many Robert Bigelow's around to do what they've just done. No, and even so, you know, I was in the field for half a century before this came about. Don't you wish this would have happened 30 years ago? Yeah, it would have made a big difference back then. Absolutely. You would have invested in Apple Computer when it was nothing. (laughs) What do you think the afterlife is, Jeffrey? Well, I think it's part of us, actually, those of us who are here in the physical plane, uh, it's about our consciousness. We actually, and there are many people, mystics and near-death experiencers and meditators and others who are able to access the afterlife. Most people are too busy, you know, running around in the rat race to pay much attention to it. But if you were to explore your dreams and uh, the subtle messages and signals that the universe is giving you throughout the day, you'd discover that uh, the afterlife is probably as close to you as your own skin. Well, that could be too. Parapsychology, is it accepted yet by the scientific world? Technically, yes. The Parapsychological Association has been officially affiliated with the American Association for the Advancement of Science since 1969. Uh, But from a sociological point of view, probably not. Uh, Most universities uh, have nothing to do with parapsychology. Uh, Many scientific establishments refuse to uh, have, for example, published papers about it in reputable journals. It's still, there's a stigma associated with this field. I mean, why is it when I got my degree in 1980, here we are almost 42 years later, not a single doctoral diploma that says parapsychology has been issued. Well, that's amazing, too. Now, where does reincarnation fit into this puzzle, or does it? It certainly does, and I have to say this. At the University of Virginia, they're doing very good research on reincarnation. They're looking at young children who have memories of a previous life almost as soon as they can start to talk. They begin to uh, tell about their previous lifetimes. The uh, University of Virginia, over the last half century, 
has collected 2,500 cases of this type. And of them, I think it's 1,700 uh, of them have been what they call solved, which means that the information provided by the child actually led to the identification of the previous personality. Jeffrey, did you know the late Rosemary Ellen Guiley, one of our great guests? As a matter of fact, I did. She was a friend of mine, yes. I miss her, miss her dearly, but the, yeah. uh, she was just a great booster of the spirit world on the other side. But uh, she and I wrote a book together called Talking to the Dead about some of the various communication mechanisms that were being developed or that were out there to try to communicate with the dead. And, you know, Edison tried to do it. Uh, so many people tried to come up with technology that could allow you to tap into the other side. I think one day we may be able to do that in a big way. What do you think? Uh, it's currently going on. There's a lovely woman, Annabella Cardoso, who currently lives in Spain, former Portuguese diplomat, uh, has published articles uh, about it in uh, the Journal of Neuroquantology, a scientific journal. She has been observed having conversations with deceased loved ones that are clear, articulate, and unmistakably uh, going back and forth using a, uh, a radio receiver tuned to a, a band, a government band that's just white noise. Uh, so I think it depends on the operator, the, the human involved. It makes a big difference. There are all sorts of devices that seem to work when you have the right person operating them. What does that tell you about the other side? The fact that electronics can reach some of the people who have passed on. It's, it's quite amazing. I had an experience like that myself, as, as a matter of fact. A very interesting story involving Russell Targ's daughter, Elizabeth. Aha, uh -huh. okay. She was a friend of mine who died in 2002 at the age of 41. She was a psychiatrist, beautiful woman, talented psychical researcher. And after she died, there were many, many communications. Russell had them himself. Uh, even total strangers got communications from Elizabeth. And uh, one night I, I, I was having a dream, and like my dream of Uncle Harry that I mentioned earlier, more real than real. Elizabeth came to me in the dream, and I said to her, Elizabeth, how wonderful to see you. I am so impressed with all the communications I've been hearing about, especially the physical ones. <laughs> and at that moment, the phone next to my bed rang. It was three in the morning, and I picked it up. There was just white noise. Oh, wow. Wow. And I bet she knew your phone number when she was alive. <laughs> That's amazing. It's, it's really something how these things happen. And I, I think if I had been more sensitive, um, maybe more telepathic, I would have heard her voice in the white noise. We had a story yesterday that was in the Skeptical Inquirer where they were able to, this is what they say, they identified who was the little boy that the uh, Exorcist book was written about, the little boy from uh, Baltimore, Maryland, and that he ended up growing up, becoming a NASA engineer, and died last year. Now, let's assume all of that is correct. The possession, the exorcism, which also took place in St. Louis, the little boy was 
brought here in a, in, to a hospital where a couple of Roman Catholic priests exercised him. What do you think of that, demons possessing people? Well, I, I can't say too much about demons, but I do know that deceased individuals uh, can possess people. Really? Uh, yes, there are good cases of possession. In fact, I included several in my uh, grand prize essay about it. There, there's no question that, uh, that possession by uh, the deceased exists. Uh, now, you know, the theosophists, Madame Blavatsky and the mm-hmm. theosophists, used to say it's not the deceased. These are all demons. These are you know, entities that are masquerading as the deceased. And even uh, the great psychologist William James thought that might be the case. He was hoping that by now science would have explored that question. Can we distinguish between a deceased individual and, and a, a demonic entity trying to pretend to be such a person? But we haven't even begun to look at that question yet. Escape artist Harry Houdini uh, was obsessed with trying to communicate with his dead mother and went and saw just about every medium he could find during that era and found out that all of them were probably not real. Uh, We've had a lot of mediums on this program. I'm not going to mention their names, but some of them are pretty prominent. What do you think of mediumship? Well... Uh, there's a lot of good evidence, a lot of research uh, on mediums going back to the days of William James over a hundred years ago. Uh, there's certainly been a lot of fraud, but I think, you know, with reference to Houdini, there are uh, people who suggest and, and bring forth evidence that he himself used trickery in, in order to uh, condemn mediums who were in fact legitimate. So uh, I think he got uh, obsessed with the idea of disproving mediums at at one point. I'm I'm not convinced that all of his so-called exposés can be trusted at all. I'm inclined to take the side of mediums. And the problem is, if you're a medium, the uh, skeptics are going to assume that you're some sort of a criminal. Right. That's true. Did you see the movie Ghost with Whoopi Goldberg? I did. I really liked that movie. What did you think of the role she played of a medium where these spirits basically walked into her? She channeled them. You know, it's very interesting. I did an interview with a a medium in Britain, Stuart Alexander, one of the great physical mediums of our day. And he uh, referenced that movie in our interview. He said that's just how it feels for him when the spirit comes into his body, uh, just as it happened in that movie. You would think it would get annoying after a while. (laughs) Well, maybe you get accustomed to it. What would you say to a skeptic today, Jeffrey, trying to convince them about the other side, if you were trying to convince them? Well, I suppose the first thing I would say is read my essay, then we can talk. That's right. Let's see if they would bother to read it. But the the truth is that people get convinced mostly if they have a direct experience themselves. There's no substitute for that. And all of the evidence and all of the books, there have been great books and, and fabulous evidence going back to the 1850s. But if you haven't had a direct experience, it's hard for people to accept it because fundamentally we live in a materialistic culture. Is this religious? Is it spiritual? What's going on? 
I would say it's more spiritual than religious. You know, the religions all pay lip service to the afterlife. Um, I grew up in a what's called a conservative Jewish synagogue, and yeah, we believe in the afterlife, but we're, whenever you inquire about it, you're, we're told uh, this is a religion for the living, not for the dead. Don't ask questions. Well, that's, this is where I'm coming from on so many of these fronts. We really can't explain our physical life. We really can't explain. I just take God out of the equation for a moment. We can't explain how we got here, what life is, the complexities of life. I can't even get a scientist to explain the Big Bang and how things started because nobody really knows. The complexity of all this, Jeffrey, when you deal with the life and the afterlife and the fact that there is something happening, you've proved it. It's, a, it's truly remarkable, but we just don't have the answers to all of them, do we? The real miracle is that we're here at all. I agree. And I don't think we're some digital matrix, you know, some computerized thing that uh, Elon Musk thinks we are. I think we're real. Yeah. Yeah, human beings are not machines. Not at all. And uh, we may have been created, but we're not created by some computer software. Where somebody just wipes us us out, but I mean the complexity of all of this in the organization and the it's like this puzzle where all the pieces fit, isn't it? Well, the most important thing, the the bedrock, is that you are conscious and I am conscious, and our listeners and viewers are all conscious people, and that's where it starts with consciousness. We're going to take your calls next hour with Jeffrey Mishlove, his website linked up at coasttocoastam.com. What other books do you have out there other than The PK Man? Well, my first book was called The Roots of Consciousness. It was written in 1975. It was a bestseller in the day. And uh, I have another book out uh, based on my doctoral dissertation called Psy Development Systems, uh, which is a book about uh, an overview, an academic analysis of methods for training psychic abilities. Are you friends with Raymond Moody? I am, indeed. I'm very fond of Raymond. He's got a great mind, doesn't he? Yes, indeed. There's a lot of people trying to do what you've been doing, and that's to convince the world about the other side. I mean, there's no, no doubt about it. Let me, let me bring God into the equation now for just a moment. What do you think of the concept of God? I'm very open to the concept of God. It's, uh, you know, someone asked Einstein that question uh, once, and he paused uh, for a huh. long time, and he said, there are 30 different definitions I can think of of God. Which one do you want? How true. I even think Stephen Hawking became a believer, didn't he? Well, I, I can't say for sure. I think he was pretty skeptical of the paranormal right up to the end. But his student, Bernard Grad, uh, has been a past president of the Society for Psychical Research and deeply interested in both spirituality and the afterlife. He wrote a book with a fellow by the name of Leonard Baladnow, who was a guest on our program several times. And uh, Leonard uh, did tell us that the Stephen was believing in a godlike figure, uh, which I think is pretty remarkable for him to come around like that. Yeah. Now, when people try to communicate with the other side, as you mentioned dreams, for example, 
Who's doing what? Is it you to them or them to you, the, the Spirit? Well, that's a very good question. I, and when my Uncle Harry appeared to me in a dream, when Elizabeth uh, Targ appeared to me in a dream, it certainly felt like it was them doing it. Because uh, you weren't summoning, summoning them up, were you? No. No, I mean, people can. I'm not saying it can't be done, but I think uh, on on the other side, they're as interested as, as we are or as disinterested as we are sometimes in having this communication. Or I've always been convinced, too, Jeffrey, there's something they didn't complete in this life, and they just desperately want to get it out to us. Yeah. Well, and that you find in Shakespeare and in, in Hamlet. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.